Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. I'm Matt Sokup. And I'm James Montemagno. How's it going, buddy? Oh, it's going well, James. It felt like Seattle this morning. Seattle in the fall with all that rain. It was pretty intense the last few days. I decided to stay at home, weather the storm, a.k.a. just a little sprinkle. But did you get the big thunder and lightning storms the other day? Yeah, it was amazing. I thought we weren't supposed to get any of that lightning out here on the West or in the Pacific Northwest, but it's it's rare. It usually does not happen. I'm not going to lie. So we opened up the blinds. We you know took it all in one night. Our neighbors across the street lost power. We did not. So that was good. Uh, but yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, it was fun to see. It reminded me of being back on the in the Midwest. You know, where we get lightning storms all the time. So uh, it was it was quite nice. Yeah, it was really interesting. The uh, When I first heard the thunder, I'm like, is that an airplane going overhead? Or is that actually thunder? Yeah, it was super cool, though. Yeah, super duper good. Uh, well, enough about the weather, because we got some conferences coming up, Matt. Yeah, we do. It's one of my favorite conferences. It's a totally virtual conference. .NET Conf coming up end of September, the 23rd through 25th. So, James, I know you're doing a session. I'm doing a session. And there's actually a lot of Xamarin goodness going on during that conference. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, we have, I think, five Xamarin, maybe six Xamarin sessions. There's a bunch of community sessions. And day one, it's keynote, a bunch of Xamarin stuff in there, which is going to be awesome. Um, uh, yeah, and it's also the launch of .NET Core 3. Like, that's like one of the big ones. We already announced that, right? We announced that at Build or whatever. Though. That's when it's, a ne- when it's coming out. And it's happening. It's all happening on the 23rd. Yep. And what I love about that conf is that it goes like 24 hours a day. So worldwide audience, no matter what time zone you're in, there's going to be some goodness for you going on. Yeah, it's a crazy logistical. I have no idea how they do it, but they totally do it. It'll be streamed live on on Mixer, on Twitch, on YouTube's, on Channel 9, on all the places you can imagine. And the schedule is up. Go to .netconf.net, D-O-T-N-E-T-C-O-N-F.net. Um, that kind of jingles a little bit. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, uh, also, if you're in Redmond, if you happen to just be in Redmond, Washington, or in Washington, you don't have to live in Redmond. I don't live in Redmond. Um, I and you, we, I and you, yes, that's how you talk, James. Um, we are doing a .NET Conf viewing party um, and also additional bonus sessions from product teams and cloud advocates um, which is really cool. We'll put a link to the meetup there. We did this last year at the Seattle Reactor. Now we're doing it in the Redmond Reactor so we can get more people from campus. But actually, virtual events are happening all over the globe for .NET Conf. So it's not just in Redmond, but you have all sorts of viewing parties and things on the .NET Conf website. So definitely check that out. Yep, that's one of the great things about the virtual conference is that you have a lot of real-time viewing events going on. And like you said, we're doing a really cool event. It's actually right across the walkway from me right now with a lot of pe- real-time product groups coming in to talk, order some pizza, watch some sessions, have a lot of fun. Yeah, should be super duper good. Now, we have not only conferences, but we have some new releases. And just today, on day of recording, uh, Apple dropped some new everything, really. Did you watch the Apple event? I didn't. I was stuck in meetings all morning. So fill me in. What, what could have happened today in September with Apple? Well, you got some new phones, some new watches, some new TV stuff, some new subscription services, a bunch of new ways to give Apple some more money. But for developers, it also means that iOS 13 is basically done. I don't actually know if they dropped a GM seed, uh, gold master, we call it a GM seed, if you will, of 
Xcode and the final bindings. Uh, but it was pretty exciting. I think Apple has some really great announcements. Uh, they have cameras with uh, two or their phones with two cameras or with three cameras. You can have all the cameras, all the so cameras. Many cameras. Did they change the name of the phones? Is it like iPhone Pro now? iPhone 11 and iPhone 11 Pro. Nice. Yeah. So they got rid of the X. So we no longer have to think about it, which definitely means it's iPhone. It must have been 10. I mean, it was 10, I guess, but iPhone X. So uh, it's there. So yeah, some really exciting stuff. And additionally, last week, um, Google dropped Android 10 general availability. And with both of these big announcements, of course, we have these ready for Xamarin developers. Uh, in fact, in 16.3 of Visual Studio on Windows or 18 or 8.3 on Visual Studio for Mac, you'll have Android 10 support. You can set your target framework version now to version 10. It's no longer Q or anything like that. I did talk to the team and they said that mostly everything is final inside of there. There's a few enums that they're binding instead of integers, which would be today. There's a few enums that they're changing that will come in 16.4 and 8.4. Uh, but besides that, you're pretty much ready to go. And I also got confirmation. This is like really hot off the presses. So good, good day to schedule this podcast recording. Uh, the iOS 13 bindings, which have been in preview for a while, are essentially untouched from the last seed, but they're going to be doing um, drops in the current 8.2, 16.2 service release to get those in there. So if you want to start taking advantage of those without have to installing them separately, which you can always do because they're open source, those should be available soon. And we'll have blog posts to them. And if those blogs are out, they'll be in the show notes because Matt does an awesome job with the show notes. But that's exciting. Nice. Yeah, I love me some show notes. So yeah, check it out. And you know what else is super exciting, James? Xamarin Forms 4.2, hot off the presses. Yeah. I have all my nougats wanted to update just last week. And um, what's in it? Oh, my favorite I mean, feature. It's cool. <laughs> Shell. I do. I do a lot of office hours, and I get asked a lot of questions like, "Is Shell right for my application?" And obviously, it's it's always it depends. But a lot of times, the it depends always turns out to be. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense to go with Shell. And so what, what's new in Shell is the lifecycle events that we have in there now. So now you can pick up on whether something's starting or not. So that's cool. And there's a lot of um, community PRs, as always, in, in uh, 4.2, such as switch color. We can now change the switch color to something else. Some ties and enhancements as well. And um, collection view was originally slated to be a release in 4.2. But uh, the team was listening to a lot of our the community's feedback. And during the collection view challenge that we had several weeks ago, a lot of the feedback centered around um, we really wanted a lot of um, pull to refresh and header and footer templates. So what the team did is says, all right, we're going to get that in there before we release it to GA. We're going to get that in there, make sure everything that the community wants is in and golden. So it's still underneath experimental, but we're working on it. So there's pull requests in there for right now, and it's going to be great. I Collection view is going to make you forget all about the list view. I've been using it for a while in my apps. Love it. You'll love it too. Give it a shot. Yeah, very cool. I'm really excited because I worked with the team a little bit on this um, be, um, recently, talking specifically about pull to refresh on the collection view. It's very, very tricky. So what they did, I need to validate if they added pull the refresh directly to the collection view uh, because there's another PR, which I'm so happy 
has finally happened is they have a new control that you can use called a refresh view that you can add to any view specifically like scroll views and and things like that. It's not for every view, but for all intensive purposes, it's there. Uh, I worked with uh, the team a little bit just on on Shane. He was implementing it on my existing plugin, the pull to refresh view that I had done many moons ago that I am sick and tired of updating uh, in general. Uh, and there is a, a UWP implementation too, which is really cool, which I'm very excited about because I did not have that. So that's super duper neato. Uh, and that's a that's a big win, I think, just in general for people that want to add that to like a web view or a scroll view or, or to a collection view, right? You can just add that right on top of it and, and boom, you're good to go. So, which is so I was reading about this. So just to make sure I have it understood is like when you pull down, to refresh it, you can now display like an image instead of just like the little spinner. That's what that's what we're talking about here. So yeah, I think how they did it is they they have the native pull to refresh indicators that are there. So think of it right now. List view has a pull to refresh built in, but let's say you want to add that to a scroll view, or you want to add that to a web view, or you want to add that to a collection view. If they kept it on a per control basis, they'd have to implement it over and over again and try to keep the APIs consistent. So what they said is, oh, just wrap any control in a scroll view or or sorry, a refresh view. And then you can implement events such as, you know, refresh has been triggered, things like that. So it's pretty nifty uh, in general when you want to add, you know, refreshing to stuff. So instead of setting a bunch of items onto your uh, collection view and muxing it up. If you don't want pull to refresh, don't add anything else. Just wrap it in a refresh view. When in doubt, wrap it in a refresh view. And you can do things such as, yeah, add refresh colors. And then what you could do is inside of it, you could do some binding because your refresh view might have a uh, an image that says loading, and then you might have a collection view in it. So what's nice is that you could hide or show the collection view based on if it's refreshing or not completely. So there's a lot of opportunities there to do some really nice I things. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And there's more. There's more coming, sir. Because like always, when 4.2 comes out, that means 4.3 is right around the corner. Now, we normally don't talk about new, new pre-releases and things like that. But I wanted to mention this because there's two things with this that are happening. There's a lot of these new features around collection view being added, but also there's a brand new, finally rebooted from scratch carousel view, Matt, that's totally happening, um, which is very exciting. It's very similar to a collection view, except for you can flip through the uh, carousel items inside of it that go left to right, little indicators, things like that. And there was an old, old package that did this, but they wanted to use the latest and greatest. And they said, let's really rethink this. Take a lot of time. I know that people really want in. There's a lot of third-party packages, but we're going to get there eventually. Uh, and that's out there. And there's a brand new challenge uh, that dropped with this package uh, as well. So that challenge, I think, started on Wednesday or Thursday this week. And, and what it does is it says, hey, go use the carousel view. It's under a feature flag. Go take one of your existing ones or replace a plugin or, you know, try it out where it makes sense in your app. And every single individual that sends a pull request, t- sharing 
uh, some screenshots of their app and their experience get Xamarin stickers. And we pick 10 at random to receive a Xamarin monkey uh, as well. So very, very cool. So you can be part of that challenge. And so it's not a contest that everybody gets something. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. It's just have fun and try out a new feature and give us your feedback. Finally, the carousel view. I love it. That is, it's something. Okay, there's two things I love about it. One, it's it's here. It's going to be great. I'm going to have to find a place in my app to use it. And two, the challenges, right? You could get to go view the PRs that people are putting in and see how everybody's implementing it. And you get a, just a ton of ideas on what other people are doing. And it's just the inspiration that you see other people doing with it. And it's community, right? Xamarin has a great community out yeah. there. It's super nice. And it's also nice to see this happen in the wild, to be honest with you. And there's some really nice sort of screenshots and features that you can do. And I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm always talking to David. Whenever I talk to David, I'm just like, more controls, more controls, more controls. That's all I ever say. So they're coming. They're coming. They're on their way. Yeah. So this other thing, James, that I was, I was reading about it in the pouring Seattle rain. It's called Boots. <laughs> Right. And when I, when I read the name of it, I'm thinking the logo for this should be a pair of rain boots. And it was, and <laughs> it actually was. And so what boots is, this thing is, is really, it's really pretty cool is that it lets you, if you're using a continuous integration, a lot of times that at least with Azure DevOps or with apps that are, you might be a little bit um, confined to what is actually loaded up onto DevOps or on an app centers with uh, mono or Xamarin. So you're limited to what version essentially that you can run there. And so what Boots does, it lets you run, download and run any version of Mono or Xamarin that you want. And that's what the team uses internally to do that with their CI integration. And so our good friend Peppers wrote a blog on it and how to use it. And it's pretty amazing. And and speaking about um, my office hours, aka AMS office dash hours, I was just speaking with a group of people who needed this, and it's something that I'm going to get back in touch with them today and, and tell them all about. And so that this um, blog that Peppers wrote goes through on how to, well, he introduces it, and he goes through on how to do it with YAML on DevOps and also over on App Center and how to use it. So it's pretty cool that you can use any version of Mono, any version of Xamarin, and put those into your CI pipeline. Yeah, it's really nice, especially during the season of updates that you need to install some things. And I use this in all of my Azure DevOps projects. I use it on my Handsome Informs and uh, items like that, which is really cool. And the biggest part is, especially on Mac, on Windows, it'll take a little bit longer to install because they're VizXs and things like that. But if you're building an iOS and Android app, you might as well just build it on a Mac because iOS are going to have to build on a Mac anyways. You might as well just do it there. And what's cool is when these new features come out, such as startup tracing, you know, you don't have to wait for, like we've already updated, but you don't have to wait, like you said, for the CI systems to update. App Center is super fast, but I want to try out stuff now, or I want to be experimental. You know, I think it's the other part too, is I want to experiment a little bit. So uh, what's great about this blog is that he also highlights where to find links to all the drops, which is very nice. Uh, I really, really like that. Just be like, oh, I'm going to, update this and boom, good to go. So that's really nice. And yeah, definitely give it a look. I'm a big fan of the boots and you can use it with any CI system, any, it doesn't matter. It's just command line. So you can use it with Travis or, or like app center or DevOps or anything really. You can just use yeah. it with anything. So that's, 
It's neat. I didn't know about it until I read the blog post, and it's um, it's definitely worth checking out. James, have you been using XAML Hot Reload? Is it every day of my life? Every day of my life. Every day of your every every day since it came out. The thing I love about it is I haven't been able to get this thing to crash. I it just runs. It ha- doesn't crash for me, which s- the team has done a great job with it, right? And even better now, it's uh, out of private preview. It's in public preview with the latest versions of Visual Studio. You just have to go up, open up Visual Studio. Over on the Mac, it's underneath your preferences. On um, Windows side, it's underneath. I don't use Windows very often, but it's underneath the, I think, the Xamarin Options setting. You'll have to yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, James. But um, just enable... Tools op- yeah, tools Options, Xamarin. All right. Yep. And you enable it. Make sure you're running Forms 4.2, which was just released, and you're good to go. It's Run your app, yeah. start changing some XAML, hit Save, boom, it works. And it's... Like we mentioned before in the last episode or maybe the episode before, it's resilient where you can fat finger some um, property names or just mess up your XAML and it doesn't crash. It just keeps on working. And it's a great way just to quickly test out some changes in your app, see the UI change, and it just keeps on going. So it's it's really cool. Test it out. Still in preview, I just did a, a series of videos. Hot Reload was played a big part in it. It's having fun. It's cool. Yeah, it's 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 pretty great, especially when I'm demoing the product or just using the product day to day. It's just, oh, boom, it's good to go. Sometimes I'm just working on code and I'm going to recompile and do that code. But whenever I'm in there, I just need to make a tweak here and there. Boom. And it also helps me architect my code a little bit more because I want to use this feature. So if I am a little bit lazy and I'm doing things on the right way, you know, architect it in a way so it reloads nicely or doesn't clear out my data when something loads. So it is pretty nice in general. And it works with everything, any additional MVVM framework, but uh, it's super duper cool. But now talking about other challenges, Matt, we just finished um, the Android performance and app size challenge. Now, last month on the pod, we talked about all the great, great stuff that's happening inside of the world of Android for Xamarin developers. There's just tons of stuff happening. And John Douglas launched this uh, Android performance and app size challenge around not only startup tracing, which we talked about, but also how to optimize your Android builds, how to improve the startup time, and also how to shrink your app size with the D8 and R8 shrinkers, which I think is super duper cool. And uh, he links to all the great blog posts that are in, in here that he did. And I think about, let me look here. 46 people, yeah, 46 people submitted um, uh, pull requests, or sorry, just opened issues. And it's really nice because people ran it against sample apps, against their real apps. And what they did is they said, let's look at build performance um, with no bin and OBJ file. So that's fresh. Let's look at incremental changes, startup and download size with app bundles and things like that. So what's nice is that um, it walks you through how to optimize this. So even if you're just like wanting to look at how to optimize your own app, it's a great GitHub repo that walks you through every little bit and process of it. Uh, and there's little feature flags that you can turn on and off and and totally, um, um, yeah, it's, just, it's like mind boggling, just the things that you can do. So it's super duper cool. So definitely give it a look because 
what's nice is that sometimes things went up, sometimes things went down and you get to kind of compare and contrast, but almost all the time we saw some really great improvements, um, just in general. So it was really nice. Not everyone, every app's a little bit different, but that really helps the team that feedback to make sure that they're, they're building and haven't regressed at all. So give that a look. That's pretty cool. Everybody loves themselves some Android. Who doesn't? I know you love it, James. Yeah. Yep. Everybody. So you know what? Let me ask you this, James. Are you a fan of dark mode? Do you use dark mode like in your IDEs or? Uh, No, neither do I. I'm not a fan of dark mode at all. So I'm going to alienate all of our listeners by saying that. But (laughs) if you happen to be a fan of dark mode, you can now make your iOS apps support it, which is really cool, right? Because why not give your users Mm -hmm. choice? We're all about choice here. So uh, we have a, David went out and created a blog post on how to enable dark mode on iOS apps. And it's really cool. I mean, it's not as difficult as you would think it would be. Essentially, all there is is just a couple steps you go through and make sure you enable dark mode on the simulator. And then you can actually upload or create different assets for dark mode for iOS. And what's also neat is that for app-wide, you can actually specify a different title and background color for when a user goes in and enables dark mode on their device as well. Because forms, we want to just make forms, makes life easy for everybody. We just want to reduce the amount of code people have to write. There's actually a proposal out there on how to do dark mode through Xamarin Forms. So it's not a feature yet. It's a proposal. I'll put it in the show notes on where you can actually go out, comment on the proposal, so you can actually influence on how the team's going to implement this. So that's awesome. And if that wasn't enough, in that same post, David goes through and how you can implement dark form, dark mode today in Xamarin Forms. And that's actually a really neat way where you're doing it with styles and you're doing it with dynamic and static resources. It's well worth a check out. It's one of those techniques when you see it, it's like, oh yeah, that's that's a perfect way to do it. So awesome posts. We'll link to it. It's definitely something you should check out. David does a great job of uh, explaining everything. Yeah, I need to update Handsome Informs now with dark mode. And in fact, you know, Android 10 is going to have dark mode and there's different triggers that you need to do. So this would work the same for that. Or actually what you could do ideally is have a setting screen that says always use this specific mode, which would be like system default or use light or dark mode. And and that's probably how most apps I bet are going to do it because I like that there is dark mode sometimes. For instance, when I'm in bed reading news, I would want that to be dark and not too bright. Whereas most of the time I do on a light theme, it's just easier to read. So it would be nice to have it pragmatic. Like you could now implement all these features since it's sort of forced into the operating system, sort of forcing developers to integrate this feature. So you now have some flexibilities, take a little bit of time and put it in. So maybe this Friday when this podcast drops, I'll do some dark mode in the Hanselman forms. That's what I'll do. Dark mode. Hanselman forms supporting dark mode. You heard it here Gotta first. do it. Yeah, I guess so. Got it. I mean, and to be <laughs> honest, with resources, it's not that hard. So, Right. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And David goes all through it and how to, how to implement it. So, uh, the last blog I wrote, uh, because it was a pull request to my Hanselman Forms app that I've been streaming live on Twitch every Friday, building out. And I got this great feedback from one of the viewers that said, Hey, you know, I was working on this app. Like, you know, why don't you use 
uh, compiled bindings. And I go, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, just do this thing called X data type. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I looked at the docs and we've had compiled bindings built into Xamarin Forms for like ever. And if people don't know, when you're doing a data binding, by default, Xamarin Forms or any MVVM framework will have to use reflection to look that up. And that can be a little bit time consuming if you have a mass amount of bindings inside of your XAML or code behind. And I looked at the documentation and then they not only documented how to do compile bindings, but they also had performance analysis of before and after of how long it took to look up bindings. And it was a huge improvement. So the PR that the individual did added compiled bindings to every single thing in the entire app. So someone did it for me, which I thought was lovely uh, in general, but I had started, they finished it. And I thought, wow, this is so cool. And what's cool about compiled bindings is that it only does that performance boost, but it also gives you compile time checks. So if you, for instance, you might do uh, X data type equals login view model. And that login view model has a username and password. And if you misspell username and password later on in a binding, the error will say that, hey, this property doesn't exist. So you're not going to get into the situation where you release uh, and, and debug your app, but nothing shows up because you know what? Like it's compiled in and, and it gets that performance boost and that runtime check. So I did a blog on this that in read the docs for way more uh, detailed documentation on it too. But there's been a lot of good comments, a lot of people interested in it. So I'm super excited that, you know, that's why we have this blog because sometimes we got to talk about these new features when they're out there. I always forget about them. There's three great things about that. One, compile bindings, right? How you just went through how awesome they were. But two, Craig Dunn and his team do a great job on documentation, and we don't talk about the documentation enough. And Xamarin, I think, has one of the best documentation efforts at Microsoft. And three, the community, right? Mm -hmm. They went, community went through and finished all your work for you, James. How awesome is that, right? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> no one else is awesome, James. Now you mentioned you mentioned before that hot reload is kind of forcing you to write your code a little bit better so you can just get hot reload working. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about dependence, dependency injection? Ah, funny that you mentioned that. Um, I've been here and there on dependency injection, but I do love the dependency injection of ASP.NET and some of the new generic code stuff that they've been doing, and I blogged about that in the past. Right. So we've, we've transi we transitioned into the cloud right now, just to let our listeners know where I'm where I'm going here. And so one thing that Azure Functions had that they didn't have before is that we now can do dependency injection with Azure Functions. It works a lot like what ASP.NET does, where you have like a startup class and you can do initialize everything there, and it just goes into the constructor of the actual Azure Function, which is really cool. I'll link to a YouTube video where my good friend Cecil Phillip goes through and talks about with one of the product team members on how this was implemented and then how to implement it. So it's actually a really interesting video. It's only maybe 20 minutes long, but it's definitely worth a watch. Very cool. Yeah, I have to give that a look because I hacked some crazy weird dependency injection thing recently into my Azure functions for HTTP client factory. So I'll definitely give a look here because I'm pretty sure I have a new better way to do it. So that's cool. Yeah. And why not use, let somebody else invent the wheel for you, right? Yeah. 
That's that's what it comes down to. Yeah. So another show I wanted to mention is the what we're calling the Cloud Native Show. And so Cloud Native is one of those uh, terms, right, that you never, you kind of know what it means, but you never really know what it means, right? And so Cloud Native to me kind of means like when your app is physically or decoupled from the physical infrastructure, which means Docker, kind of, at least in my book. And so what we have um, is a show where our another good friend of the podcast, Shane Boyer, goes through and starts interviewing people about Cloud Native. And uh, a show that I'm going to link to is when he goes out and talks to Scott Hunter about why .NET Core makes a great language for building Cloud Native apps. And so it's just really interesting to listen to Scott Hunter talk about it. It's it's a new world in .NET. We, we talk about this all the time. It's a great time to be a .NET developer. And there's not really anything that you cannot do with .NET right now, from building mobile apps to building cloud-native apps. .NET's everywhere. And continuing on the theme of Azure, on the theme of cloud-native, it's now time for the Azure Service of the Month. And cloud Azure Service of the Month. <laughs> That is the first time I heard the jingle, and it's going to stick. It's going to be in my head all day long. <laughs> the uh, What I want to talk about here is the Azure Container Registry. And I got introduced to this last we, – we, we, as a Microsoft, do this uh, tour around. It's called the Ignite Tour. And we put a bunch of demos together, and these demos are end-to-end samples where you do, like, let's say a web app and how the web app communicates to eventually a mobile application with a backend. And so I was working on a app, mobile app, that had to communicate to a web backend. And that web backend was deployed by Azure Container Registry. And um, the person who put together, uh, Anthony Chu, who um, Anthony wrote some of the, uh, I know, James, you did a SignalR service uh, demo with uh, with what Anthony wrote. But... um, so what, that introduced me to ACR, or Azure Container Registry. And what it allows you to do is that it allows you to store multiple, let's say, Docker container images for really any type of deployment up in one spot. And what then you can do is that you can um, deploy that image, let's say, to App Services, which is our version of, let's say, a website that's essentially what it is. You can deploy that Docker image to app service, and you really have just like a central repository for it. You don't need to have Docker installed locally. You can use the Azure CLI to build it all for you up in the cloud. And James, I know you love the GUI. You can also do it through a GUI up in the Azure portal, and it's there. So it's a container registry. Containers mean Docker, cloud native, all up in the cloud. It's a way to contain or store multiple container images for you. So it's pretty neat. Um, containers being the way to run, let's just say your web code. Check it out. We'll put it into the Very we'll cool. put it into the show notes. All, all those Docker's and the swarms and the pods and the clusters and the netties and all the things all over my head. But I do. I have deployed some stuff into container container registry. There's also container instance. All sorts of crazy container things of taking those crazy little microservices and shoving them over there and all your infrastructure. It's it's pretty neat once you get into that world. So once you get into it, it makes life a lot easier because you're not worried about having to 
at least during, a lot, especially during development, you're not worried about having to recreate a development environment by downloading all the various services and making sure they can cross communicate. We just download a container that already has it all set up and just use that. You're not going to mess up your computer at all. Very cool. Nice. Oh, well, that brings us to everyone's favorite part of the pod. Pick of the pod. What you got, man? Pick of the pod. Pick what do of I the have? pod. The pick of the pod. <laughs> New jingles all over the place. So what I have today, James, is um, I've been working a lot with the Bing Search APIs. I'm going to keep it in the cloud. And so what the Bing Search APIs are is that they're a part of the Microsoft Cognitive Services suite all up. But they do a ton of different things. I mean, they're not just like part of like vision service or anything like that. Is that they obviously give you search capabilities, but so much more. So let me talk at least about like entity search. So James, if I was going to search for, let's say, Seattle, what being entity search would do, it would bring me back a bunch of hits about Seattle, but it would also say like Space Needle. It would highlight that for me. And give me the ability to see a photo of it from, I think it probably brings it back from Wikipedia comments or somewhere. It also gives me like a Wikipedia page to find more info about it. Um, It also does be able to find, like if you say coffee near me, it returns coffee shops that happen to be near you. So it's actually this really, it's like being able to implement Bing, but through your app. And um also has like news search, entity search, as I mentioned, there's a image search on there. So it's, there's a whole suite of search APIs. They're very friendly with mobile applications and it's something to take a peek at. Um, I found that they're not well-known, but they, they should be because um, thinking of use cases for them is actually pretty easy to do. So that's what I wanted to mention, the Bing search APIs. Very cool. I like that. I do like those crazy search APIs. Sometimes you just need to search stuff. Uh, Well, I picked something a little bit different. I did a video not too long ago uh, with one of the amazing MVPs on Fastlane. Uh, Are you familiar with Fastlane at all? I know it makes my life on iOS a little bit easier when I'm doing deployments. So fill me in on rest. So Fastlane, not only for deployments, but for just day-to-day sort of iOS-y stuff, especially when you get into big deployments that are a little bit mm, complicated, let's say, when you have to worry about provisioning profiles and automation and deploying to the App Store. There are a lot of systems like App Center and ADO and other you know CI systems that can do a lot of those things for you. But often you need to write custom solutions. You might want to write your own code signing, or you might want to automatically generate screenshots or do different beta deployments, things like this. And when you want to do those on iOS and Android, it gets a little tricky. And that's where Fastlane comes in. Fastlane has been around for a long, long time. Started on iOS, but it's part of Google now. And they build, I think they bought the Fastlane tools. It's all open source, things like that. But what's nice is it has a very simple kind of command line interface scripting language. So you can say, you know, capture my screenshots, build my app, upload to the app store, and then send a Slack message, things like that. There's a bunch of different things built into it that you may want to take a look at. Uh, Take a look at the video. It's like 15 minutes kind of going down. But if you've ever had problems with automatic code signing or um, trying to publish things manually or building custom scripts, 
Fastlane will super duper help um, with that in general. There's a whole ecosystem around it too, these actions and plugins for it. But definitely give it a look. It's it's quite good, especially in these more complicated um, scenarios per se. So yeah, definitely take a look at Fastlane. I think that anything that would help with just as simple as iOS provisioning would be helpful. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It, it's nice. I used it recently to, I use it maybe a year or two ago because I wanted a way of automatically purging old beta subscribers to test flight. Okay. So think of it like this. So this is what, this is a scenario that I had to do. So test flight, you can, back in the day, you could only register so many people at a time. Now they have a kind of open testing or whatever. I still think there's certain levels. So we only could have so many people at a given time, or maybe you just want to delete people by default. You'd have to go into the portal into the Apple portal and delete everybody manually, which is a big, not fun task. So I wrote a fast lane script that would query the iTunes, like it would query iTunes, grab all of the existing registers to a specific group and say, Hey, if you're, or have been inactive or haven't installed a build for over 90 days or have never installed a build, remove. So it was all scripted in like 40 lines of code. It was really cool. That's pretty neat. I mean, for the time that it took you to script it, you probably could have removed like two users manually. So (laughs) totally worth your time. Exactly. So yeah, agreed. Yeah. So, all right, that's it. That's it. We did it. We did it. September done. Done. Well, now you can go out and buy all the Apple goodness that they announced. Today. Yeah, go get it. Well, where can people find you on the internet, Matt? They can find me at Twitter, Codemail Matt, my blog, Codemail Matt, GitHub, Codemail Matt. Just do a bang at Codemail Matt. Find me. Yeah. You can find me at James Montemagno everywhere the Twitters, the GitHubs, the emails, the Twitch. If you want to watch the Twitch streaming, you can do slash James Montemagno. You can Google or Bing me or Bing me with the Google or Google me with the Bing, whatever you want to do. Uh, James wants to you'll find all the good stuff Matt thank you so much and of course the podcast find it at Xamarin Podcast can't forget that dot com yeah dot com dot com and I think there's a new we got to up we're going to update the site soon too so we're going to have a new fancy player on there we're going to get the new theme on there it's going to be hot we're going to do that the next few days um, and also the show has transcriptions I need to show you how to do that so I don't have to do it manually every time but the show has transcriptions now so when you go into one of them, you'll be able to download a transcription. So if you want to read along, they're automated, they're automagic. So don't uh, be mad if they're not 100% correct. But for uh, anyone uh, with uh, accessibility, you can follow along and need that accessibility feature. We're all about adding as much accessibility uh, to any of the properties. So whether it's closed captionings or transcriptions, we want to be here for everybody. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's, that's, that's great news. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, James. See you later. Bye.